Hi, this is Pastor Tom. I want to welcome you to week two of our look together through the book of Acts. We're going to chapter a day from now on. We went uh, a little bit slower through the first couple of chapters. That's where the explosion happens. And now we're going to get to see how that works itself out in the life of the church. And it works itself out in ways that you might not expect. Up until now, it's all been success. It's all been joy. It's all been victory. Listen to what happens in Acts chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. One of the questions we want to ask ourselves as we walk through this book of Acts is, what should a church really look like? And many don't understand the basic truth of what a church should look like. And so they end up with disappointment. Uh, You hear people say things like, I want to be in a first century church. And I know what's in their minds. They're thinking, I want to be in a perfect church. Well, if you ever find a perfect church, don't join it because then it would become imperfect because you're sure not perfect. I'm sure not perfect. I couldn't join it either. And the truth of the matter is, neither was the first century church perfect. Acts chapter four to seven, which we're going to focus on much of this week shows the real truth about what life was like in the Jerusalem church, the troubles and the struggles that they went through. It shows the real tension that was in the church. When you get a hold of the truths we're going to talk about today, you can become a healthy part of the body of Christ for the rest of your life, not living in some disappointment, hoping for something that's never going to happen, but instead living out the life of the Spirit in the reality of what goes on in this world. When we get to heaven, it's going to be perfect. On earth, we get earth. And so how do you live out the life of the Spirit on earth? Well, you realize there's always a tension in what happens in the church. There's the good, and then there's the bad. There's the victory, but there's also the battle. We're going to walk through some of those battle points these next few days together. The first tension we're going to look at in Acts chapter 4 is the tension that with boldness, there is always opposition. There is boldness in proclaiming there's always opposition to what we're proclaiming. Listen to what happens in verses 5 to 10. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas and John and Alexander and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or name did you do this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. In Acts chapter 4, you see two groups going in two opposite directions, the church and the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin, they were going in the direction of blandness. The church was going in the direction of boldness. The Sanhedrin, this was a group of 71 men presided over by the current high priests. Three groups were in this group of Sanhedrin. They had elders and scribes and priests, and they were divided into two parties, Sadducees and Pharisees. And they were evasive and elusive. And even in this confrontation, they refer to the miracle as this. Did you do this? They couldn't even say what had happened, the miracle of what God had done in healing the man who was lame. They're this group that's all about one thing, holding on to what they have. That's why they killed Jesus. That's why they brought Peter and John before them now, holding on to what they have. 
You have the Sanhedrin, they're about blandness. Then you have the disciples, they're about boldness. Twelve men at the beginning of this early church. And they are one group with one goal, not holding on to what they have. Their goal is giving away what they've been given by Jesus Christ. Giving away what they have. That's the difference. The difference isn't their background. Some people act as if, well, one's Jewish and one's Christian. They're all Jewish background, both the Sanhedrin and these early apostles. They all have the same cultural heritage. That's not the difference. The difference is their motivation. One is trying to hold on to what they have. The other is giving away what they've been given. And because of the difference, it can be seen even by these bland men. In verse 13, the Bible says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They took note of what God and only God can do in their lives and through their lives. You see, one part of this group was protective, was defensive. The other was powerful and dynamic. One was maintained, the bland Sanhedrin, by preservation. The other was maintained by prayer. One was filled with the Spirit. The other were filled with themselves. Now, we live in a fairly bland world at times. It's all about tolerance. We live in a world that will fall for anything. What do you do when you're slammed down because you stand for something? The answer is in the lives of these early apostles, this early church. The answer is you praise God. The answer is you pray with others. You cannot be bold alone. It is a team sport. So you do what they did. You recognize the place of God. He is the sovereign Lord, they say. You recognize the plan of God. He's got a plan for your life, and you ask for boldness. Listen to what happened, verses 29 to 31. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miracles, signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. Prayer is not an escape from responsibility. Prayer is, in essence, our response to God's ability. Philip Brooks once said, do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger men and women. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers that are equal to your tasks. And so they didn't ask for protection. They asked for power. They didn't ask God to remove the opposition. They asked for boldness to be able to face the opposition, to face what only God could do. Notice that their prayer resulted in action. And so they spoke boldly. When God's people get out of balance, We overemphasize either God's sovereignty or our responsibility. The church always loses its power. They held on to both God's sovereignty and then their responsibility to live out what God's sovereignty meant. They didn't just pray and sit in an upper room. No, they went out from that upper room, but they also didn't just go out from the upper room. They prayed and they depended on God. Augustine once said, pray as though everything depends on God and work as though everything depends upon you. That's what I want to do. That's what I want you to do. That's the way that I want us to live in the power of God. Let's take a moment right now to pray together. Jesus, the secret is prayer. But you know, there's many times when my prayers, they're all about what I need in that moment. They're all about the hurts that I have. And I know, Lord, you want me to talk to you about my needs for daily bread. You want me to talk to you about the hurts in my life. But I also know you want me to pray for boldness. So we pray together for it now. Lord, Consider those things that keep us from speaking out in your name. 
whether it's our own hesitancy, whether it's our own embarrassment, whether it's the threat of what might happen in a job or in our home, what others might think of us, consider those things that to us are threats and enable your servants to speak your word, we pray with great boldness. Lord, change our hearts. Give us opportunities. Open the doors so we can let people around us know the good news of what you have done in our lives. We need you. We need what only you can do in our lives. And so right now we trust you. We trust you. Lord, in trusting you, we know that our lives might be shaken, even as the room was shaken when these early apostles prayed. Yet we trust you more than we want comfort in our lives, more than what we've always wanted and had in our lives that we thought would make us feel better and more comfortable. We want you. And we want other people to know the good news of who you are. And so, God, we pray right now, speak your word with great boldness through our lives. In your name we pray, amen. Join us tomorrow. We're going to continue to look at what this early church was really like.